as far north as Marauder's Arch, as far south as Booty Isle, as far east as Ruby's Fall, and as far west as Mermaid's Hideaway, Pirate Talk Radio proudly presents the most in-your-face Sea of Thieves podcast on the waves, and now broadcasting from his mother's basement, the biggest idiot to ever pick up a cutlass, your host, Davram! Welcome back, guys, to Pirate Talk Radio. This is episode 74. I am Davram, and I hope everyone is doing very, very well. Um, I wanted to take a minute real quick uh, before we thank the patrons, get into the episode, and uh, just let you know, on the YouTube video or any um, other of my video-style content, you will notice that I have a little, it's on this side, logo. Uh, right here, uh, quite simply says, women's rights are human rights. For those of you who don't know my backstory, I uh, I am huge uh, into to women's history, into um, uh, minority history. Uh, I have a minor degree in those. Uh, and, and I'm all about treating people the way you want to be treated, treating everyone equally. Uh, and unfortunately, um, I know people are tuning into this show and, and other content uh, for video games that they love, as as I do, but ultimately we're all people, and we all live in the real world. And uh, unfortunately, uh, on June 24th in the United States, which is the country I'm from and live in, um, the Supreme Court uh, struck down a uh, women's rights issue, uh, struck down and banned um, abortions nationwide. And uh, th- this is something that's really weighed on my my mind. Uh, namely because of some of the <clears throat> comments made by the justices um, afterwards on some of the other rights that uh, the Supreme Court is looking to take up uh, in the coming months, years, etc., uh, which affects myself um, um, and people that are close to me. And seeing people's rights being stripped away from them really hurts. So I know we're all here to to you know talk about uh, learn about, listen um, about uh, uh, video games and things like that. But uh, I want to do what I can in any way, shape, or form to bring awareness uh, to things. Um, I know people go to Twitch streams. They they uh, watch YouTube videos. And, and some people are, are very, I don't want politics. I don't want that kind of stuff in my video game stuff. Well, then quite frankly, I'm probably not the person you want to tune into and listen to uh, because video games are fun. But video games are not real life, and these are real life issues affecting real people, and I'm going to use my platform, however small or large it ever gets, uh, to make sure that I bring awareness to things that need to be brought aware of. So uh, that's just how it goes. This is my show. I hope you all enjoy it, my content, and I'm going to use that platform to to make sure uh, that uh, I am standing um, and doing my part um, on a content side and going out to protest and things um, outside of this studio uh, to, to, to support the folks who are impacted um, by decisions made in politics, et cetera. So uh, that's my little soapbox uh, today on that. Uh, so again, thank you for uh, uh, bearing with me on that. And we'll get into Sea of Thieves now, which is what you're all here for. So let's start with thanking 
the patrons. We have a new patron this week, Lane. Thank you very much uh, for joining the uh, the patron community uh, as a core commander. And also thank you, Regis Stella, uh, another patron as well. If you would like your name list, uh, listed on the uh, the podcast, and if you would like to financially contribute uh, to the show uh, that you can also obviously enjoy free, uh, you can go over to patreon.com slash TV, and there's a variety of different tiers that you can sign up to uh, to support the show financially. But thank you both to Lane and Regis Stella uh, for being patrons of the show and supporting this content financially. I appreciate it very, very much. Uh, sea of Thieves news. Uh, we've got some news. Uh, patch did drop, kind of a little ma- maintenance patch. Uh, I, based on the notes that I already had to talk about today, I, um, I don't uh, uh, envision having time to really dive into the patch. Uh, plus, when it comes to uh, patches, I like to actually play an experience. I've I've heard uh, from folks that there's some really positive things coming out of this patch. So I'm anxious to get on the seas uh, this weekend um, and and kind of test it out and see how things are going, see what improvements have been made, see what changes um, have been made, uh, and then we can discuss the patch notes more in depth based on my uh, my experience in playing. Um, next week. Um, but as far as some other items, there are Twitch drops coming up. Now, I'll remind you again next week on next week's episode, but Twitch drops begin on July 1st uh, and go through the 4th, and they will start the Twilight Hunter ship set. Um, so July 1st through July 4th, again, making sure that you've linked your Twitch account to your Sea of Thieves account, uh, making sure you're watching a streamer with drops on. I believe these are partnered drops again. So watching a partnered streamer uh, for 20 to 30 minutes and then making sure you're going to your Twitch inventory and claiming those drops. It does sometimes take up to you know, 72 hours for them to appear in your inventory in game. Usually it's faster than that, but it can take up that amount of time. But as long as you've watched it, you've linked your account and you've claimed it um, um, during the, the drop period, uh, you will be able to get those in-game. And if you don't, you can obviously open a support ticket with the evidence that shows you did what you needed to do. Uh, the other thing that's out there, and Rare, take my money, the Jurassic Park-inspired uh, uh, archaeologist uh, fossil set is out. It's uh, weapons, it's a costume, and it's a beautiful ship. I love the color combination. I absolutely love the look of this. Uh, if you're a Jurassic Park fan, if you are a dinosaur fan, uh, this is a set right for you. Everything's in nice yellow amber with green highlights. It looks absolutely fantastic. I'm not a huge costume person, but the costume looks pretty cool. Uh, there's an entire weapon set, and I believe also a lantern. Um, I haven't got in the game to see what all is uh, included in that, but uh, definitely a cool set uh, to check out. Uh, available in the Emporium. Um, there are also a new set of emotes out. Uh, this is, you know, summertime. So usually, you know, we usually have the summer Olympics during this time, if it's a summer Olympic, uh, uh, time frame. So there is an entire new emote bundle, uh, around like sports, like running and things like that. Um, along with some other kind of funny and, and, and goofy emotes like the, uh, the drag queen death drop emote, which is kind of cool. And of course there's always the free emote. So make sure you go to the pirate emporium and at least pick up your free emote, which is also kind of funny. It's like throwing a tantrum. Uh, it's, it's, it's actually a really good design emote. So, um, that's kind of, uh, the, the cosmetics and, and the news, uh, that's kind of coming up. 
Um, but the other piece of news that I, I don't hear a lot of people talking about, but I am super hyped about, uh, Rare Story Team hired a new person. It was announced on Twitter. Um, the person's name is uh, Richard Denick. Uh, Richard Denick. Now, you might not know that name. I don't necessarily know that name. But what we need to look at is the repertoire or the background that Richard brings uh, to the story team. We all know the story team under Mike Chapman is absolutely fabulous. Regardless of how we feel about the implementation of the venture, the story that has been driven is quite good. We've got the tall tales. We've got the pirate's life. The, the story team of Sea of Thieves is incredible. They're awesome. They always have some wrenches to throw in there, some turns and twists that we're not expecting. Um, so adding um, to an already stacked team, uh, Richard, is an absolutely amazing and uh, a great pickup for Rare. Now, again, you have no idea probably who he is, uh, but here are some things. Here's some companies. Here's some IPs that he's worked with. Lucasfilms. If you don't know who Lucasfilm is, you've been hiding under a rock. That is who makes Star Wars. Aftershock, the BBC, Legendary, Disney, Penguin, Titan, and some of the books and, and comics he's done is absolutely ridiculous. Thunderbirds Go, it's a TV show uh, by Amazon. Uh, and he's got a, a several other uh, uh, television uh, and film as a producer over many, many years. Um, you've got television shows uh, that are in development right now, like uh, Surface Tension, Missing Pieces, Dance um, of the Underworld. Just some, some really cool um, um, stuff that he's working on right now. Now, when you get into the comics and graphic novels that he's worked on, some of those IPs are crazy. Robin Hood. He did a graphic novel comic of Rob, young Robin Hood. Lost in Space, another big IP out there. Doctor Who, for those Whovians out there. He worked on graphic novels for Doctor Who, the 7th Doctor, the 13th Doctor, the 12th Doctor. Um, <clears throat> he's worked on the IDW Doctor Who comic book. Doctor Who Adventures, issue 191. Um, Doctor Who short uh, uh, stories and books. Uh, Sherlock Holmes is an IP he's worked with. Um, Stargate SGU um, uh, is another IP that he's worked with. A lot of Doctor Who on his uh, repertoire um, on there. He's, uh, he's done um, audio dramas for Stargate, Doctor Who, Robin Hood, Sherlock Holmes. Um, just an absolutely long, long list. Of, of IPs that this man has worked on um, across many, many genres from fantasy to sci-fi, just all over the place. If you want to know more about Richard, uh, you can go to richarddenick.com um, and you can see all of the different things that he has uh, worked on over the years. Um, and just, you, you know, I'm super excited to see what Richard brings to the table here. Uh, he posted on June 21st. Uh, that he was uh, announced as a senior narrative designer uh, for Sea of Thieves. 
So absolutely awesome pickup from Sea of Thieves. Uh, he obviously has background with things like Disney. Uh, so Pirates of the Caribbean is in there. You know, I've already called that some of this Flameheart storyline is inspired by one of Mike Chapman's favorite IPs, Star Wars. So we've got a little bit of the Lucasfilm Star Wars in there. So I think that uh, Richard's going to bring some really cool stuff here. Now, whether he's working on the actual um, game itself or if he's going to be working on books or comic books, um, I, who knows? We'll find out what he's going to be working on. But at the end of the day, this is a huge pickup for Rare um, and, and, a, and a great storyteller with a very long history of, of working with amazing companies and great IP. So I'm really looking forward to what Richard can bring to the team and seeing how he can kind of shape the story of Sea of Thieves. So congratulations, Richard. Look forward. Just don't disappoint me. Okay, Richard? I talked you up big here. Okay? You followed me on Twitter. I retweeted and congratulated you. I appreciate that follow, my friend. Don't disappoint me. Ask some of the developers at Rare. They, you don't want to be on the disappointing side of the show. Okay? I think he's going to do great. Um, so, as we get into the game, as we get into the game, um, one thing that uh, um, has been noticed, um, I noticed it uh, last Saturday when I was sailing with Captain Logan, the picture for the adventure has changed. Um, originally, the picture um, on the book cover of the Forsaken Hunter was the um, journal book for, uh, what was it, uh, Fate of the Morning Star, the uh, the the Morning Star uh, tall tale that deals uh, with, with Grey Marrow and the fight of Grey Marrow and the one you get on the Fairy of the Damned. That was the centerpiece icon, the book, um, on this particular adventure. It has now changed, and it has changed to a book that looks very familiar to the Wild Rose um, book with the heart on the front. Now, the Rose book, I believe, has the rose on the front, but the symbol for Wild Rose is that pendant with Rose and George, and, you know, it's kind of broken. You have to put it back together. You know you know the story if you've, uh, if you've played through uh, that. What is very interesting, though, is the two halves of the broken heart. One half is Wanda, and the other half is a, another mask what appears to be female with some very defining features on the mask that we saw in the adventure number two, I believe when they brought the uh, forts out, the ghost forts, uh, um, the second version, when you have to go to the forts and rescue the, the golden sands uh, inhabitants right at the end, you see Wanda on a ship approaching one of those forts and standing next to her is another person in the same regalia with some very um, distinct markings on her mask and sea dog feathers coming out from under her robe. And it looks very much like Amaranta, which has disappeared from the Sea of Thieves uh, for quite some time now and was one of the people who helped run the sea dogs, uh, the sea dog arena with DeMarco and Lissetti. Um, she wasn't exactly the biggest fan of those two, but she, you know, she, she's a, a winner, right? She, she was all about winning. She was all about being the top of her game, right? And that's why she was perfect fit for the sea dogs and more so why she was probably a perfect fit for leadership, um, of the arena. Now we know DeMarco closed the arena, 
Uh, and DeMarco is now in some sort of dead. Okay, we don't know if his soul is trapped in the lantern. We don't know if he's dead dead. We don't know if his his soul is somewhere trapped uh, in the Sea of the Damned. We don't know, right? That's the mystery that we're trying to solve um, through the social media, which everyone has their own opinion about that. Just believe me when I say the social media stuff is going to continue. If you don't like 4,000 retweets, if you don't like 3,000 likes, whatever the, the case may be, just know that this is something that video game companies and companies are doing to drive social media clout. It's so just get used to it. It's going to continue to happen. It's part of the transmedia that I've spoke about multiple times um, where the whole story is not just contained in the video game. It's on social media. It's on movies. It's in TV shows. It's in books, comic books, whatever the case may be. It's spread across large varieties of media, and you have to go out and get it all in order to have the complete story. Get used to it. It's the future of gaming. It's just how it is. But what's really interesting is the heart is broken. Amaranta appears to be on one side. Wanda appears to be on the other. Now, a lot of folks believe that the adventure is going to start tying into the um, the mystery at some point. And maybe this is the first one that we're going to see that on. We've got a lot of notes scattered around, uh, and you can go over to a great website, Mermaid's Lullaby. They've got them all laid out there for you. We don't know the order in which they're in, but we have snippets of a conversation or conversations between multiple people. And um, in those conversations, it talks about being, you know, are you going to get emotional about this or something like that? Now, a lot of folks are, are obviously believing that these notes have to do with the death of DeMarco. But I sometimes think that Rare is a little smarter than that. They like to throw wrenches at us sometimes in stories. I think maybe there might be a little bit of, I mean, it's a murder mystery, right? The idea of a murder mystery is trying to solve the murder, but you're going to get clues that might not necessarily be directly related to the, uh, the murder, right? They might be little offshoots, right? That you have to solve, right? Part of solving a murder is going through all the evidence, but also making sure that you're, you know, you get the right evidence. So we don't know. Maybe, maybe rare is putting in some other notes and hints in there that uh, that might be trying to tell us a little bit about another part of the story or or trying to give us off track a little bit. Who knows? I We don't. We're trying to solve that. But what is very interesting about this heart is what we see now after the patch. If you've not logged in since the patch on the 23rd of June, there's been some changes in the world. First off, Golden Sands has been renamed new golden sands and is in the process of being rebuilt, which we'll get to talking about that in a few moments. Cause I've got my own opinions on that bullshit. But the other thing that it has uh, now happened is there's a couple more clues uh, spread across the seas that people are finding, but a very interesting thing has happened. Wanda's workshop on wanderers refuge is empty. It's been cleared out. And all the old Flameheart memorabilia, the cave drawings and paintings, appear that someone has tried to wash them away or scratch them out or get rid of them. Obviously, we know through the history, uh, Wanda has had a very close relationship with the Flameheart's, romantic at times, 
with the Flame Hearts. But because of things that have happened, Wanda is now part of the Dark Brethren and is against the Flame Hearts, to our knowledge, appears to be, and has no love for the Flame Hearts anymore. Or maybe just doesn't have love for the Flame Hearts Senior. Who knows? But what is interesting is some of those notes talk about being emotional over some sort of action. And a lot of people believe that maybe the murderer got a little emotional after talking about or planning the murder of DeMarco. Very possible. But what if maybe some of those notes might have been from Wanda to Amaranta? And maybe the person that's getting a little emotional over some of these things is actually Wanda. She spent a long time dedicated to the Flame Hearts. Again, we don't necessarily know if all of those letters are necessarily pointed at the murder of DeMarco. Maybe there's some other notes that have gotten thrown in there. Or maybe a way to try to get you off the trail a little bit. Speculate, right? The whole murder mystery is just a plethora of content for different people out there who are big lore hounds and stuff like that. But it could also be that it's a note and Amaranta as a prime suspect in the killing of DeMarco is the one getting a little emotional about someone who, though she may not have got along with, was a sea dog, was a warrior in the arena, just like her. Someone who was close to her for a very long time working in the Sea Dog Tavern. Might be a little emotional for her if she's the one that killed it. Lots of different things to think about on those notes and a lot of different things to unpack. But what is clear is the book was changed from Grey Marrow to Wanda and Amaranta on a heart-shaped pendant that's broken. So to me, we're going to get a little bit of WandaVision here in this next adventure. Um, But the other thing that Rare has tweeted is that they had a very, very interesting tweet that shows three figures. um, And it says the Forsaken Hunter, um, the hero of Golden Sands, Merrick, is missing. Right? On the 27th of June, so that's Monday, the trailer for the Forsaken Hunter, the next adventure, will be released. And then, of course, the um, the Forsaken Hunter adventure releases later on uh, next week, I believe Wednesday or Thursday. And there's three figures here. There's a Phantom, there's Duke, and then there is um, uh, like a Reaper figure, right? Like a death figure. And so what's interesting is the book... The last I looked was Amaranta and Wanda on the pendant, the heart pendant broken. But in the, I guess I will call it the uh, poster, the promo poster, uh, Amaranta's not there and Wanda's not there. And Mike Chapman himself today said that this adventure may be one of the biggest adventures as far as a story driver that they've put out, right? So a lot of things to unpack with this and a lot of things that I think people should be excited about. 
and a lot of web weaving here that hopefully over the next week or two, we're going to be able to unravel a little bit more, a little bit more about the mystery of the death of DeMarco, a little bit more about this Wanda Amaranta relationship, a little bit more about what appears to be a growing, let's call it a cult that Wanda has created, which we only know of two, but which appear to be an all female cult group. And Captain Logan, my buddy, uh, I think has a great name for that, which is the Maidens of Sorrow. Um, I think it's an absolutely fantastic name, especially if we're talking about Amaranta and and uh, uh, Wanda. They both have a lot of sorrow with lost loves, Amaranta with the arena and with Wanda with the flame hearts. There's a lot of lost love there. So Maidens of Sorrow, I think, is an absolutely fantastic name, and I, I hope that might be what they go with. It hasn't been announced, obviously. Maybe we'll find out. But I think there's a big web that's creating here, and a lot of people obviously have their own opinions about DeMarco. They have their opinions about what this adventure is going to bring. I don't know if we'll get all the answers. I don't even know if we'll get a fraction of the answers that we're looking for. But a lot of cool adventure stuff is on the horizon, I think, for, for Sea of Thieves. And I hope they're taking lessons from the feedback and the community outrage and the community cheering of the previous adventures. And they're making adjustments to future adventures. And I hope we're, we're going to get away from the RNG and we're going to get away from the required crew sizes that are just unfair for the current server stability as far as number of ships and how players play this game. I hope we're going to get away from that because that's the feedback that the community has been providing. But we'll see. But I'm really excited to see where all this plays out. I'll be the first, and I, I've said it multiple times, I don't really follow this mystery too closely aside from what people are, are releasing and other shows that I listen to. Um, but really interesting stuff here, especially with that symbolism on that book. I really think that heart pendant breaking symbolism on that book is something that's going to be very important um, in the future here. I think it's 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 going to be a telling thing um, uh, for this, and and I, I think it's going to play a big role in both the mystery and the adventure um, as we move forward. So I want to take a moment and clear up some stuff. I took some heat, which I'm normally, I'm used to that, all right? I'm used to it. I mentioned last week on last week's episode that Rare has a capitalistic money-gaining opportunity here with captaincy if captaincy goes to the Emporium. Now, I thought I made it very clear that I said I don't believe Rare will go in that direction, but it's definitely a a direction that us, the player base, has to be aware of because it's possible. It is possible. I was on uh, um, uh, sailing with Captain Logan, uh, him and I, on our Saturday sail last week. And we got into a, a, a good, heated, nice discussion about this. And, and, and Captain Logan has been doing this for a long time. He loves Rare, as we do. He loves this game, as we do. The difference between Logan and I is he is very positive about Rare. And he's very positive about the direction, not only that they've brought the game, but because of that, the decisions they'll make in the future. And me, well, 
some people might say that I'm a negative Nancy. Some people might say that I, I don't have an optimistic bone in my body. And I'll say I'm a realist. I have been burned by a lot of companies and a lot of games in the past for money grubbing uh, schemes that I didn't expect them to do. Now, I'm going to make this very clear, and I want everyone to listen. I don't want any more heat about this, because if you get, I'm not responding to you. I don't believe that Rare will make captaincy a Emporium purchased item. I don't believe they will. Because, and this is the only reason that I, I, will, I will say I don't believe they will, is that fact that captaincy unlocks voyages, okay? If that captain voyage was not part of captaincy, I would 100% say that Rare probably is going to make this a, a purchase out of the Emporium. But because it is actually tied to a voyage, that is something that everyone in the game since the dawn of time has had access to. They've, they've, they've locked it behind pirate legend for some stuff, but in general, everyone who is playing the free version of the game, right? Not putting any money into it. The, the, the free version has always had access to all the voyages at the time that they're available in the game because of that one thing. I don't believe that rare will put captaincy attached to Emporium. I think it's going to cost a lot of gold. I think you're going to have to work to unlock it, and I think it's going to cost a lot of gold, kind of like the Dark Adventurer stuff. I think you're going to have to work to become a captain, um, but I don't think it's going to be an Emporium. So as long as we're all clear on that. Now, let me talk about what I think is going to be in the Emporium. When Rare first said many, many years ago, that they were going to put captaincy in this game at some point, or were going to consider putting captaincy in this game at some point. They said captaincy in their minds is viewed as a cosmetic. Some cosmetics in the game are gold purchased. Other cosmetics in the game, the cool, super cool ones, are emporium purchased. Now, you can be a captain of a ship, have access to the voyage, hell, even name your ship, all under the captaincy free version. But they could lock decorating your captain's quarters behind Emporium. That's cosmetic. In my mind, naming the ship is cosmetic, but I know that's something a lot of people want. Uh, but I could definitely see a possibility of putting the naming of the ship, the naming placard under the Emporium. I don't think that is because that is that is something that a lot of people want, and I don't think Rare will piss people off, but it's definitely possible because it's cosmetic. Cosmetics such as making your captain or your, your cabin look different, making your ship have a name, None of that stuff is game impacting. None of that stuff takes content away from players. It's all cosmetic driven. It's all cosmetic based. So I think there will be a lot of the captaincy features 
that could include naming a ship. I don't think it will, but could include naming a ship as an Emporium cosmetic, as a revenue generator. It's not required. Would it piss people off that they could become a captain but not name their ship because they don't want to put, you know, $5 into the Emporium? Sure, it'd piss people off. But you know what? People want this feature. Supply and demand. The people demand it, and Rare supplies it. Therefore, you can make money off of it. It's basic economics. Will it piss players off? Sure, but they'll cool down in about a month, just like they cool down about other things. Players that, sure, and some players did actually leave for good, but players out there that said, oh, Sea of Thieves is dead, the arena's gone, I'm not playing this game anymore, they're still playing it. Open threats. Well, Captain C is is bought by gold, but in order to name my ship, I have to pay five bucks to the Emporium. Yeah, that's shitty. I hate it. I'm leaving Sea of Thieves. No, you're not. No, you're not. If you really want to name your ship, you'll pay five bucks. I think there will be some features, obviously, that are gold-based. I think naming your ship is going to be gold-based. But I could definitely see, because of what they said a long time ago, that the, that Captain C could the actual customization of the ship because it, your your ship doesn't have to be customized to do a voyage. You have a voyage table. Could be locked behind Emporium, and it's going to be a great revenue generator for Rare. It might p- piss people off, but you know what? Money's money. Money hires people. Money keeps the servers on. Money helps push development time in order to develop features, content, etc. I also heard the argument that captaincy is the core feature of season 7. If captaincy is the core feature of season 7, season 7 is going to be the most disappointing season out there. People will complain there's not enough content to do. People will complain Things aren't, there's not enough stuff to do. People are going to complain. Why? Because all that Captain C is, is cosmetics. And apparently some sort of new voyage. So sure, there will be new voyages to do. I think Captain C is a highlight of Season 7. And it is the hype highlight of uh, of Season 7. It is the hype word that the community of Sea of Thieves wants to hear, they want to have it, we've wanted to have it for a while, and it's something that will excite non-Sea of Thieves players to come try out the game or come back to the game. It's the hype feature. But I don't think Captaincy is the big bag of Season 7. I hope to God it's not the big bag of Season 7 because that is lame. If you think people were pissed off and irritated that season five tools, not rules, which I thought was a good season because of the cool stuff we got was a disappointment. If captain sees all you get, if that is the highlight of season seven, people are going to be pissed off. And sure, they may for the first couple days love it, just like they love the new tools, not rules update with some of the new cannon rowboats and stuff like that. But guess what? The hype dies down after about two weeks, and then people are pissed off because they claim they have nothing to do. So I'm really hoping Rare is not just banking an entire season on captaincy because that 
is pretty lame. So cool. The other thing that um, was was a discussion um, that happened is this idea of the sovereign and the idea of this that we saw in the trailer of this fast cell system or a quicker cell system um, with the sovereign. Now, um, the the platform is already being built in game. That was part of this past patch. You can see the mast is now no longer laying on the dock or the beach. Uh, the, the tower is now erected. There's a platform on it. You can start to see pulleys and things like that on it. Um, it is very, you know, it, it's starting to take shape and we'll be able to see the final product of that that we saw in the trailer um, in about a month, uh, July 21st or 22nd. I will be getting ready to go over to Sea of Thieves Fest so I probably won't be able to play um, season seven right off the bat, but that's fine. Uh, it's it's a long enough season that I'll get my stuff in, and and I'm I'm super excited to be over in London. But the discussion that was had is around balance, and the idea that the sovereign or a single point of cell is to help balance out and try to bring people away from reapers, and have them do the other trading companies but now have an easy place to sell. And it's possible that that is the direction Rare is taking. And what I will say is that is the worst way to balance a video game. You don't take a feature that is broken and say, oh, it's broken. How do we fix it? We break everything else to match its brokenness. No, 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 no. That's not how you balance. Reapers gives you way too much gold. Yes, Reapers marks you on the map. Yes, Reapers hideout is not a very friendly place to unload and stay safe. But the amount of gold that you get out of a grade five Reaper, specifically stolen loot, is absolutely asinine. It is higher than it's it's that's where you want to be. That's where everyone does the Reapers. But you don't counter that. You don't fix that by breaking everything else. And, and, and making your trading companies useless, right? So let me give you an example. If you're sailing the seas right now as a grade five gold hoarder and you go to turn in, you obviously have merchant stuff, order of souls stuff, and gold hoarder stuff, and you've got three locations you have to sell. The most money you're going to get is obviously from the gold hoarder, but you still have to go to the, all three locations to empty your pockets. If they had one centralized location on every outpost that all stuff goes to with no diminishing returns, just remove the gold hoarder, remove the order of souls tent and remove the merchant alliance vendor from the game. Yes, the merchant alliance vendor does do other things. Yes, the order of souls person does other things. Yes, the gold hoarder does do other things. But you're practically just removing them at that point. They're no longer vendors. Because no one's ever going to go to them anymore to sell stuff. And furthermore, Sea of Thieves is a fantasy game inside of real world. The Sea of Thieves, as stated by Mike Chapman, is located near and around the Bahamas, which is where the golden age of piracy takes place. He has stated that multiple times, that the Sea of Thieves is located on the world map and the shroud protects it, and that's why no one else can get there unless you know how to navigate through the shroud. We know there is no shroud in the world, but that is how it was explained. 
People in the Sea of Thieves that have came here from the outside understand how the real world works. The idea of the golden age of piracy and how piracy worked in the West Indies or the Bahamas, if you will. The pirate would go out and hunt a ship. They would take the prize. They would get the booty. They would then take it to a pirate-friendly port, a port that would accept pirated goods. They would sell it to whoever wanted to purchase it at a dollar figure. Then that merchant who bought it from the pirate would turn around, load it on legitimate trading vessels, and sell it in the Americas at a higher price. That's how it worked. The pirates acquired the goods via stealing and piracy. They would sell it to get gold. They provided the goods. And then the merchants turned around and resold it at a higher value to make profit. If I'm taking my goods that I've got, my merchant crates, my skulls, my gold chests, if I'm taking those items to one central selling point, the gold hoarder still wants his gold. The Order of Souls still want their skulls, and the Merchant Alliance still want their crates. And I'm selling it to a single person who then has to resell it. The Sovereign is not a gold order. The Sovereign is not a member of the Merchant Alliance. The Sovereign is not a member of the Order of Souls. They're then going to have to resell it to the gold order, the Order of Souls, and the Merchant, and they want the profit. That's how it works. So the player who is selling the stuff to the sovereign should not be getting the total high max amount of value for their items. Yeah, it's faster to sell to one person, 100% agree, but you should not get the max value out of it. It shouldn't work that way. It doesn't make any economic sense. Yes, it's a video game. Yes, it's a fantasy world, but this fantasy world takes place in the real world that had these economic systems established for many, 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 many years. So these people who are coming to the Sea of Thieves are aware of them, have taken part in them, have seen the profits from them. <coughs> the gold hoarder is all about greed. You think he's going to take an item from... From the Sovereign at a higher price than he can buy it from the, the players? Hell no, he's not. He's all about that money. So if their fix to the Reapers being OP is to add a Sovereign and you get max value out of your loot, that's not how you balance, that's not how you fix, and it makes zero economic sense in a game that's based in the real world with an economic system that we've studied for a long time. I think you should get a portion of what it would have been that if you sold it to the vendors as a convenience fee, say. Now, if you've got a grade five gold hoarder flag, you're going to get more. Maybe. You're not going to get max value. Because doing... Giving max value for those items, especially if you have an emissary flag up, is just making the actual members of those trade companies useless. Just put a single person on the map, 
that sells all the voyages for everything, sells your crates, sells sells your cannonball crates, your fireworks crates, sells your commodities. Just put one entity on the map that does everything the Gold Hoarder Order Souls tent does and the Merchant Alliance tent does. Just put one person on the map that takes care of all the extra stuff and get rid of those entities. There are four regions of the map. There are three of these entities per region. If you just got rid of them by adding the Sovereign and and one other entity, you're cutting down the entities on your server by at least two per island. So that's eight entities that you're cutting. There you go. But that doesn't make sense. It doesn't play into the story. It doesn't play into the feeling that these outposts are live economic um, structures in the Sea of Thieves. So I hope that's not what they do. If they want to balance it, what they need to do is turn down Reapers. They need to nerf the amount of profits you get from Reapers to a point where people start to do the other trading companies more often. That's what you do. That's how you balance. If you want more gold hoarders, merchants, and order of souls and less Reapers, turn down the Reapers until the other populations go up. That's how you balance. You don't take one broken thing and you break the other ones equally. You don't do it. Will the Sovereign take Athena loot? Things to think about. But it makes zero sense to me. I like the idea of being able to sell quicker. I like that. And personally, I don't care if I get less gold. If I have a faster sell at outposts, I'm going to use it. Gold's an infinite resource. I can get more of that. I can get more of that. But I hope they don't present this as a balancing thing because it's garbage. It's garbage. I like the idea. I'm glad they're adding it. I'm glad they're making the outposts look bigger and cooler and evolving. But I hope this isn't their idea of balancing because all it's going to do is make your trading company merchants useless except for voyages. And they're just going to sit there and they're not going to be used. They're going to be put on the shelf and collect dust like the emissary system did for how long? For a year, for over a year. So we talked about earlier um, uh, the Golden Sands being restored. So these are just some of the map changes that we've uh, that we've encountered since this patch. Um, and I mentioned um, how I didn't like how they did the 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 Golden Sands repair. I'll tell you why. Does it look battle torn? No, it doesn't. Can you see some? Visible differences between what Golden Sands was and now, sure. The end sign's down. There's a ladder here. Some of the wood on the buildings is out of place. There's some trees knocked down. There's some docks that aren't fully fleshed out. But overall, it doesn't look like war hit that place. Not at all. And furthermore, I want to know how they got all the wood that uh, that they got because according to rare Twitter wood crates didn't count. So where'd they get all this wood? Because I looked around the trees that have been on golden sands since before the war are still on golden sands and they're still looking big and luscious and green. 
So there's some logs laying around. Where'd those come from? Where'd those come from? Obviously not Golden Sands. They didn't come from those palm trees because those palm trees are still there. Now, they did say they're going to continue to evolve new Golden Sands. But I think they missed the boat on this one. I think they missed the boat on the redesign of Golden Sands. It needed to look more destroyed. It needed to look more damaged. They could have done some things to make it look better. And when I say better, I don't mean fresh and shiny and new. I'm saying make it look like it actually went through a war. But again, just like we talked about last week in the overall ending of that war, it never did feel like a war. It felt like a war on social media, but it didn't feel like a war in the game. Even though it was supposed to be. And now the way they restored it and it's all nice, bright, shiny and new aside from a couple misplaced building blocks. It doesn't look like it was war-torn at all. It just makes zero sense to me. The design choices here, I think, were a little off. Yes, Golden Sands needed to be repaired, but they could have repaired it in a way that it still looked like it had went through a battle. Big craters. Some smoldering debris. Wrecked ships on the shores. Destroyed rowboat bits. Pieces of shrapnel from the kegs. Not just on the beaches, but throughout. To make it look like it was actually a war. It doesn't look that way to me. And from what I understand, they're going to be trying to add back in emplacements like cannons and things like that to make it look like they're gearing up for a defense. Well, what'd they do with the emplacements they already had? Why aren't they still there? I don't know. It just, to me, it didn't, it didn't feel that they, from the beginning of stating it was a war for golden sands, it never felt like they really got that war aesthetic. They never got that war look and feel. And now with it being over and Golden Sands being saved, it doesn't feel like it went through a war. It just, the whole concept of war was completely missed on me. I don't know about the rest of you. Leave me a comment, shoot me an email, hit me up on Discord. Let me know what you think. But I'm pretty sure I don't think there's anyone out there who could say that Golden Sands looked like it went through a war or that the event itself felt like a war. It was just a miss. It was a miss. It was a cool event with a cool story. But at the end of the day, I think it was just a miss. And now with the resolution, I still think it was a a miss. They could have at least made it so it looked like it had went through hell. Still made it nice. Still repaired the buildings and, and let the inhabitants get back in their shops for everyone to go sell and buy from. But kept some lasting, impactful, visually impactful damages around the entire place to make it really feel like it went through a war. Craters and smoldering and bits and shrapnel and bones. Something that made it look like it went through war. And yes, yes, it's the shores of plenty. It's supposed to be bright and pretty and rainbows and unicorns. I get it. That's what people wanted. But it went through a damn war. Make it look like it went through a damn war. 
Make it look like it went through a damn war. The last thing that I have here that I wanted to just take a brief moment about, and we just we 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 touched on it a little bit, and that was um the other map change, which was Wanda's hideout. There is one last thing that I didn't mention earlier with the removal of the Flameheart memorabilia. There is now a chest of wondrous secrets in the back of Wanda's uh, workshop, and it is opened. It is the first time that any player has been able to see what the inside of the chest of wondrous secrets is. The inside of which went, made Stitcher Jim go absolutely batshit crazy. Now we, the players, can finally go there and gaze into that box and see what Stitcher Jim saw. And maybe understand now why the Reapers were trying to collect these boxes during the very first adventure. The box is sitting there looking all black and glowy and ominous. And inside, if you look, it has a very familiar, if you played through a pirate's life, look. It looks like the sky and the sea of the tunnel that leads you from the Sea of the Thieves or the living world into the Sea of the Damned. So why would the Reapers want those? Well, they got to bring Flameheart Sr. back somehow. That's a pretty powerful thing. If that, in fact, is a tunnel to the Sea of the Damned, think about the potential power play that those boxes represent and also why did it make stitcher jim go insane lots of questions that aren't answered yet but something really cool that we have not had the opportunity to see i haven't ever even seen a box of wondrous secrets in my years of playing let alone now that we get to see inside of it i wish i had got to see one or get to see one at some point kind of like the shrouded ghost to me boxes of wondrous secrets don't exist just like the shrouded ghost Um, but now we get to see what's inside of it. And I know all the lore hounds are, (laughs) they're getting all sniffy about it. And there's going to be some cool speculations out there from all the folks that follow that lore really closely. And I'm really excited to read and listen to some of that. But that's not the only thing that's weird right now. I mentioned it about the forsaken hunter, the hero of golden sand who, after the adventure, was back on Steven's spoils to accept all your lovely fish and, quite frankly, broke the merchant vendors across all of the seas because the the crates that you needed to turn into the merchants said go talk to Merrick at Golden Sands, which that event was over, so you couldn't, and it was broken. But it is what it is. Oversight. Rare. Stop it. QA team. QA team! But Merrick returned to his post at Stephen Spoils or Stephen Spoils and began to buy your fish again. But now he's gone. Where is he? We don't know. Apparently, we might find out in this next adventure. But I said, I said that If we saved Golden Sands, we would see some sort of ripple effect 
that would be that would impact a character or characters or the game in a way that people who just wanted Golden Sands to go back to their favorite outpost didn't see coming. And I said that if we saved Golden Sands, we doomed Merrick to death. Is Merrick dead? We don't know. But I'll tell you what. If I was Flameheart and someone stood up to me and someone united all the pirates against me or a huge army of pirates against me and won the battle for Golden Sands, I'm pretty sure I'd want to take out the person who instilled that much courage and that much willpower into his followers. I would want to get rid of him because that is a powerful man that I would have to contend with in my future endeavors. So we'll hopefully find out what happened to Merrick in this next adventure or maybe get some clues to the whereabouts of Merrick in the next adventure. But Merrick's gone. And all of you folks out there who saved Golden Sands, this one's on you. If Merrick's dead... If he's gone, if he's being converted to an Ashen Lord out there, this is your fault. If you loved Merrick and you saved Golden Sands because you loved Merrick, I'm pretty sure you doomed that man. I'm pretty sure you doomed him. And I hope as punishment for saving Golden Sands, when Merrick is found out to be dead or gone forever, that they don't replace and put a fish vendor at Steven Spoils. I hope that is left vacant. So therefore, you don't have a quick and easy selling place right in the center of the map. And it's all your fault for saving Golden Sands. That's my hope. That's my wish. We'll see if it comes true. Thank you guys very much for your continued support of this show. If you're watching it on YouTube, please hit that subscribe button. Hit the like button. Drop me a comment. Let me know what you think. You can join the Discord. You can shoot me an email. You can also tweet me. All that information is down in the show notes and in the YouTube description video. But, guys, thank you very much. I hope you're enjoying the seas out there. I hope you're having a blast with this mystery, and I hope you're excited to see what the Forsaken Hunter brings us in the coming weeks. We've got a month before Season 7, and our uh, next adventure is only two weeks long. So... There's a lot of stuff you can do out there. Emissary ledgers. Go have fun. Meet some new people. Go sailing with some new people. You know, there's a lot of things that you can do. It's a write-your-own-adventure game. So go out there and write your own adventure. Take care of yourselves, guys, and each other, and I will see you next week on Pirate Talk Radio.